WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. Josh Hader is a relief pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. And when he was 17, he tweeted some terrible things. Hateful, homophobic, and racist. This all went public right when he pitched in the All-Star game because some moron with nothing better to do went back seven years in Hader's Twitter because he wanted to get somebody. It ruined the All-Star game appearance for Hader. His family was harassed. I can't believe anybody would find any level of accomplishment in searching through Twitter to try to humiliate somebody who is what they aren't, namely somebody. Anyway, Hader apologized, and I believe him. Thank God social media and camera phones weren't around when I was 17. Yikes. Hader didn't get suspended by MLB or by the Brewers. He will undergo sensitivity training and other forms of counseling. So when Hader took the mind again at Miller Park in Milwaukee, he got a standing ovation. PC America is appalled. PC America is motivated by revenge and being unforgiving. PC America wants Hader out of baseball. PC America thinks the crowd at Miller Park is supporting racism and cheering hate. All that is just silly. Those fans in Milwaukee were just supporting their guy and wishing him well in his second chance. It's amusing that the people who want everybody to live like Jesus did don't ever want to forgive like Jesus did. Cheering hater doesn't necessarily mean cheering racism and hate. Why can't it mean cheering for redemption and re-education? Whether it's the fans at Miller Park cheering hater or NFL players taking a knee during the anthem, you don't get to say why they did it. They do, you don't. You don't get to bend it to fit your argument and fit your criticism. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. America's revenge culture is absolutely appalling, just terrible. It's nobody's trying to take down somebody's. If you're a nobody, you can do pretty much whatever you want because nobody is paying attention. Imagine that loser who went back through haters' Twitter seven years to find a way to get him. That's pathetic. Haters' teammates forgive him. The fans in Milwaukee forgive him. That is what should matter. The echo chamber shouldn't matter. That is what should matter. 412. 3339939 is the number to call. Thanks to 84 Lumber, as always, for sponsoring Sick Again, as well as other segments in this program. Uh, To recap what the first hour of the show has been all about, well, there's no shortage of material. uh, That's for certain. The Wrigley Field foul ball controversy. I repeat what I said before. Even now that we know the guy who was villainized wasn't a villain and, in fact, helped the kid get a ball earlier and also gave the ball he stole, quote-unquote, to another kid when the camera wasn't looking. Funny how the camera is never present when somebody does something good, only when somebody 
does something bad. But uh, I repeat, I beseech, I ask the MFers out there, the Madden followers, if you get a ball in a game, wave it in front of the nearest kid's nose and say, na 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 I got a ball. Kids need to learn to deal with disappointment. You got this kid sitting in the front row at Wrigley Field, got to be rich, probably went home in a limo, and all of America's weeping because he only got one ball instead of two, and he got two balls eventually anyway. Again, seriously, America just sucks. And I do walk the line right down the middle politically. And if you really listen to this show, you know that. But I hear about impending civil war, which I don't think will ever happen. But if there is a civil war, and you can bet on it, which I'm sure you'll be able to in Vegas. You can bet on anything. I will bet on the right. And the right in a very short war. Because all the left knows how to do is whine and bitch and you couldn't melt them down and pour them into a fist fight. You just couldn't. Oh my God, the kid only got one ball instead of two. Oh my God, they cheered the racist pitcher. What a bunch of soft softies a lot of you people are out there. So again, you get a ball, wave it in front of the kid's face. Nah, 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 nah. Put that on video. That I would like to see. Then again, the attendance of Pirate Games is so small, I bet everybody gets a foul ball before the game's over. There's nothing sadder in a baseball stadium than a foul ball goes to an empty area of seats and you just hear it and see it rattle around for like 15 seconds. And then somebody just kind of moseys over and picks it up. Uh, in the old days, I was listening to, uh, what's that guy's name that I used to work with? Like real low level, real low on the total pole, doesn't make, Colony, is that his name? Colonelberg was his real name. I heard him talking about how back in the day, they used to want you to throw the foul balls back. And I'm thinking, how old is he anyway? Like, did Hannes Wagner soft off hit him a baseball and and he missed it? And, I don't know, Benny Banak or somebody sitting there picked it up instead and he went home and cried? Benny Banak. I was searching for, like, an old Pittsburgher who wasn't a baseball player per se, so I came up with a band leader. Yikes. 412-333-9939. Uh, we were talking about the Pirates buying and selling, or standing pat. I'd be satisfied if they stood pat. As the last real pirate fan who just wants them to win, I have no expectations about them ever truly being buyers, although they made the like Marlon Bird move. The Jay Hat move was a big move. Should have held on to him. I don't know. Maybe they will. I don't feel they've ever gone all in as buyers. I feel they've done some things to improve, but not as much as they could have, should have, to maximize their window. But if they stood pat and let this play out with this group, I'd have a hard time complaining about that, and I suspect that, that a lot of you would too. If they ditch Mercer, who plays shortstop? Oh, of course, Serpico. He's great. What was he, 6 for 10? A couple home runs? I believe his average 
Boy, I'm Googling this right now. I hesitate in doing so because I don't want to be disappointed. But I suspect his average now is above my IQ. Oh, my God, it is. My tested IQ, of course, is 166. Serpico is now hitting 178, which still sucks. I mean, his batting average sucks. My IQ is at super genius level, but still, well, it, it, it might still wind up being a race. I hope so. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I just can't believe there's people out there. And, and I'll get I'll get a half dozen tweets between now and when I come back that'll quote stats saying Sean Rodriguez should be in the lineup. Let me tell you, there's no reason for a 178 hitter to be on a major league team, let alone in the lineup. No reason. You could cite chapter, verse, war, huh, good God, y'all, what is it good for? There's no reason that guy should be on this team or in that lineup. 105.90X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. How you doing, Mr. Madden? Big fan. Super genius. I love the show. What he likes ain't legal nowhere but Medellin. The X at 105.9. We got Matt Snyder from CBS Sports. He'll be talking about the Pirate resurgence and what he thinks they'll do between now and the trade deadline, which is a little over a week away, July 31st. That's Matt Snyder of CBS Sports at the bottom of the hour. Tomorrow at 3.30, it'll be my pleasure to welcome America's best soccer player, 19 years old from Hershey, PA, Christian Pulisic. And uh, he's in town with Borussia Dortmund. They're already here, in fact. They play Benfica of Portugal uh, Wednesday night at Heinz Field. Uh, you got to go see this kid play. He's unbelievable. Uh, plays in the German Bundesliga, the top division, does a real good job there. He's been a regular for two years for Dortmund, and he's only 19, and they're a good club. In fact, so good that last night in the preseason tournament going on, the International Champions Cup, they beat Liverpool 3-1. And Pulisic had a hat trick, which I can't get too mad because perhaps he's auditioning. You never know. I'd love to see that kid in in red and white someday in addition to red, white, and blue. But, uh, boy, he's great at Dortmund, and uh, he's a regular there, and uh, I think that's where he's going to stay, and I think that's where he'll do really, really well. So Christian Pulisic tomorrow at 3.30 right here on the Mark Madden Show. And that game's Wednesday night. Uh, check that out at Heinz Field. Uh, a little tempest in a teapot with Steelers camp coming up. The report day is Wednesday, and everybody's talking about Le'Veon Bell uh, not going to be there. But you know who else is going to be there? Terrell Edmonds, the first-round pick, the safety. There are seven first-round picks not yet signed, and he's one of them. And that strikes me as unusual because... In the NFL, you pretty much get slotted into what you're going to make depending on where you're drafted. Edmonds is set to make $10.7 million over four years. Included in that figure is a signing bonus of $5.68 million, but he hasn't signed. And there's some semantics that I don't care to go over because they seem inconsequential. What's this kid waiting for? It's not like Bell. Bell's a proven commodity. 
This kid's proven nothing. In fact, he's going to go a long way to prove he even should have been a first-round pick because most people thought he should not have been. So I don't know what the story is with Terrell Edmonds being unsigned, the Steelers' first-round pick. Uh, we haven't talked much about Tiger Woods finished sixth at the Open Championships in England. I keep calling it the Open Championship. It's the British Open. I don't care what they want it to be called. It's the British Open. When they win World Wars on their own, they can dictate what their golf tournaments are called. Until then, it's the friggin' British Open. And they call the Championship Golfer of the Year. That's what the winner's called. I heard Dave Molinari won it. The, the, the guy who covers Penn State used to cover hockey for the Post. Cause that, that's incredible. I never even knew Molinari golfed. In fact, I rather suspect that he didn't. But, but anyway, uh, you know, Tiger played okay. But that's all he is now is okay. And I know all the stuff you're saying, woulda, coulda, shoulda. And he might have had he not blown up on the 11th and 12th holes yesterday. But he did. And he does. And he's still good, but he ain't what he was. And there's a fatal flaw in every tournament. Some more fatal than others. I will say this, though. Here's what he has convinced me of. I could see him winning another tournament at some point and maybe even another major. No, you know what I said that out loud? I can't see it. Maybe another tournament, not a major. Too many good golfers. You know what showed Jordan Spieth, who I'm a big fan of, who won the British Open? It was, it was last year. Yeah, last year. On 18, he was visibly pissed because he knew he couldn't win. And I think he took like a bogey or double bogey in the 18 because he was just hacking away like golfers do when they're mad. And I appreciate that because it showed that he's, I don't want to say one of us because I don't golf, but anybody who does golf could imagine that. You're just so disgusted, you just kind of flail away. We haven't taken a call yet. Should I take a call? Okay, let's go to, is this right, Z Angelo? Your name is Z uh, Angelo. Yes, sir, that's my name. Is that your real name? Yes, sir. It's an odd name, but go ahead. All right. Do you think the Pirates will go out and get any pitching at the trade deadline? I think they'll go out and get a token pitcher, but but what are you looking for? Chris Archer, Jacob DeGrom. No and no. What about Cole Hamels? Cole Hamels. They, I they won't get him either. No, bro, they'll get somebody token if they get anybody. Hey, they are carpetbaggers. I agree with that. No idea what that means, but thank you for the call. Carpetbaggers were Northerners who came to the South to run for office. Is that right? I see no relation between that and the Pirates. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. And, you know, I don't know that they should get guys like that. Because, as I mentioned earlier, if they're going to go out and get Chris Archer, they should have held on to Garrett Cole through the completion of his arbitration. They knew exactly what they had with him. Now, I know Archer has, what is it, a long-term deal, three more years of contract control. They don't want that guy for that long, for that money, even though it's relatively reasonable. They got rid of Cole, Morton, and Hap. They're not going to go out and get Archer or DeGrom or Cole Hamels. Plus which, any pitcher who has a no-trade clause in his contract among the teams he can't get traded to, 
are the Pirates. I would, I would bet. In fact, I, I bet Cole Hamels. Cole Hamels allegedly has like twenty-two teams that he can't get traded to. I bet number one is the Pirates. I bet number two is seriously not the Pirates. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. The number to call. Up next, we're going to keep the baseball talk going with Matt Snyder. He covers MLB for CBS. I'm Mark Madden, one hundred five nine the X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Does your girlfriend want to bang a penguin? Well, dang, but I guess if that's your freebie, then my freebie would be Crosby. But, uh... Wait, what? VX at 105.9. It's time to keep talking Bucko baseball. They are red hot. Nine straight wins, 11 out of 12. Joining me from CBS Sports, it's a pleasure to welcome baseball writer Matt Snyder. Matt, are the Pirates legitimately in the National League wildcard race, or is that still a bit of a reach? Oh, I think at this point you absolutely have to say that they're in the race. I mean, you're looking at, uh, what is it, five games? Four games uh, right now. Four games four, out four. of the last oh. spot. I mean, four games with a week a week to go in July, that's absolutely in the race. Uh, I could just point it just off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure the 2014 Royals were further back than that, and they went to the World Series. Well, so, I think it's important to point out, too, Matt, that uh, right now they only have three teams to jump over, and I think that's more relevant than how many yeah. games you're back. Absolutely. And, I mean, the Rockies are out of their mind right now, just like the Pirates are. Maybe they'll cool off. You know, maybe the Pirates cool off. But looking behind the Pirates, like, I wouldn't be too scared of the Cardinals. I wouldn't be too scared of the Giants. Nationals have enough talent, but they've just been scuffling for so long. So, at this point, you're just hoping, okay, Brewers, they're in a bad way right now, and they just lost a starter to Tommy John surgery this afternoon. What are they going to do? Complete tailspin there. The Braves have been scuffling for quite a while maybe things are starting to break a little bit the Pirates' way. You know, maybe the Pirates regress a little too, but to answer the question in the short way, absolutely, they're in contention. Now, will the Pirates buy, sell, or stand pat between now and the deadline, Matt? And let's make that a two-part question. What should they do, and what will they do? I think they should uh, try to win back some fan confidence they've got enough money to add guys on and we all know about the fan tech sale everybody got 50 million dollars the pirates still shed payroll in the offseason i guess you could say hey it's kind of worked out to this point but i know that a lot of fans lost a lot of trust in the ownership uh this past offseason especially dealing andrew mccutcheon the most the single most important person in, in pirates in the pirates franchise since barry bonds left uh so i think that they need to try to win back the fans a little bit and go out and make a move whether it's infielders, uh, whether it's to the rotation, whether it's a catcher, if you're worried about Cervelli, I would like to see them do something. However, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I don't think they're going to do anything. I think that they're, they're that they were planning on probably selling, and I think they'll be smart enough to not sell. But I don't. I think that they're going to just kind of stay the course here and not really give up much in terms of prospects. Let's play the what-if game, though, Matt. Let's say they do yeah. go out and, and make a move. What do they need most? I would say a starting pitcher, but those are really hard yeah. to get at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, there's not that many starting pitchers that are that impressive. You're looking at, like, a, a Jay Happ reunion, um, Cole Hamels that have to take on money. We know the ownership group doesn't want to do that. Uh, I was looking at infielders. I was looking at, you know, Brian Dozier. You know, you could flip Harrison, make him into a utility guy. He's kind of struggled this year anyway. Uh, Eduardo Escobar staying on the Twins. He can play short. He can play third. Uh, those guys could be big bats, especially jumping over to the NL. 
Um, overall, though, I, I again, I looked at catcher, and I looked at Cervelli, two concussion DL stints. That's troubling personally because you start to worry about his after baseball life. But also, you know, if you're thinking about the team, I know Elias Diaz is having a good year, but you, if you have a chance to go out and get somebody like JT Real Muto, go out and do that too. Uh, again, though, I, I don't think any of that's really realistic. I just don't think they're going to do that. No, n- nor do I, but uh, i got to be honest, if they stood pat, I think that would be a welcome change from what they've done at the last couple deadlines. Now, if the Pirates do sell, and I think they still might get rid of a few guys, Matt, who might they deal that's worth much? Because dumping payroll and getting value don't always go hand-in-hand, hand, not with this organization. True. True. Uh, Harrison hasn't had a good year at all, but somebody might want to grab him as utility. You, just, you don't really want to go so low. Corey Dickerson is somebody, I think, who could get him something pretty good right now. Oh, he, Matt, let me tell you, though, with the way Dickerson's rallied them with his month of July, you, yes, you talk about was, the trust being broken. I don't correct. see any way they can trade him. <laughs> I know. I agree. I agree. I was just throwing out names who would have value. He'd have a lot of value. Oh, no, no, no question. Yeah. So, I, I mean, if they wanted to sell Corey Dickerson, they probably need, uh, and you hate to act like the ownership or the, the front office wants them to lose, but you're facing the Indians right now. Kluber and Bauer both going to the series. If the Indians sweep them and all of the momentum's gone, maybe you start looking at dealing Dickerson and it wouldn't be as bad. But then I was looking at four with the Mets after that. They could very well sweep the Mets in four games, and all of a sudden there might be a lot of pressure to go out and add. Uh, we're talking to Matt Snyder from CBS Sports here on the Mark Madden Show. Matt, what has enabled the Pirates to rally? What are the primary elements in them getting so hot? Well, we just talked about one of them. I mean, the offense. Dickerson started to fire in all cylinders. You've got Polanco with a nice little power streak here. Josh Bell swinging the bat like it always looked like he could. Getting a lot of good offense there, but they're getting starting pitching too. I mean, Tyone with several good outings in a row. They're just kind of, I mean, they are pounding the ball. I think it's mostly the offense, but they the, the pitchers, those two 17 spots early in the month, those are kind of a distant memory at this point, and the pitching started to come around too. It's just Sometimes things start to click short-term, and you start to get confidence, and it starts to snowball. But some of these players, we've seen the, the talent in there, specifically Bell and Polanco. You guys know a lot better than I do, but you always look at the, the raw ability and think, man, he should be better. Well, they're starting to play like that right now. Just need to sustain it. Well, let's get back to Dickerson for one second, because he was so bad for so long. Now he's just ripping apart July, and in some ways that's – Typical of the Pirates and typical of some of the other guys yeah. we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, and he's been streaky throughout his career, though. I mean, if you look at last year, it, he he was an all-star, DH for the Rays, and then he completely fell apart in the second half. Then we come to fast forward to this year, and he storms out of the gates and was awesome. Then he slumps, now he's awesome again. He's just a streaky guy. That's how he's going to be. So that's that's why, I mean, one of the reasons he came to mind, we said if they sold, like, you, you want to sell high if you can. He's as high as possible right now. But you're right. I don't think they can do that to break trust. Uh, how do you figure Starling Marte and Gregory Polanco? Uh, the last couple of years, they either shine or they stink, and there's not much middle ground. I don't doubt their ability. Maybe I doubt their focus, and I certainly doubt their consistency. Yeah, definitely consistency. I mean, Marte at least has four or five very good full seasons banks. Now, inconsistent during the season, yes. But the end product, he has some really, really good years. Polanco, does he really have any that you would say that's a good year? I, I'm just not sure he does yet. And 
every year I, you get you fall in the trap. I think it was last year, but it might have been this year. I wrote about okay, is this really going to be the breakout? You know what? I might have done it both years. He, he always gives you those flashes. We're like, okay, here it comes. This is going to be the breakout year. Um, I, I would never question anybody's focus or effort because I don't see what what kind of effort they put in. I don't really see what kind of focus. But at some point, you feel like okay, twenty six years old Polanco. Are you going to be Alex Gordon and finally have your your breakout after like five or six years, or is this just what he's going to be? It's it's, it's time to to kind of put up. Well, here's the crazy part about Polanco and Marte. Marte's just up and down. There's nothing to it uh, more complicated. Yeah. But with Polanco, but he's always going to end up good. It looks like. For the I, I think so too. And his power is yeah. coming around, which is huge for him and for the team. But with Polanco, he'll play a single into a triple at least once a week. Yeah. The other day, he tagged up on a, uh, excuse me, didn't tag up, went down the line from third on a foul ball near the stands, but yet he still leads the team in home runs and RBIs. It's just, he's yeah. so confounding. He is, and he, he puts together, like, really, really good at-bats, and then, you know, it, it might even be the next at-bat, and you're like, good Lord, how's he even in the majors with an at-bat like that? It's, it, it's you're right, there's so many things about him that are frustrating. That's why I said it's just, it's been a tease job. Basically, most of his career has been a tease job so far, I still, again, 26 years old. There's still time to put it together. You know, he's having a good year. 237 average distracts people, but he takes his walks and gets on base. He's hitting for power, as you mentioned, the home runs and RBIs. You just like to see him get kind of add some of that average back, stop making the, having the defensive and base running gas, and, and continue to put together consistent at-bats instead of looking lost uh, seemingly every other time. You know what's hilarious, uh, Matt? You kind of touched on this before. Uh, about a week or 10 days ago, Neil Huntington, the GM, said, okay, if this team wants us to add at the deadline, they need to win now. I don't think he ever dreamed they'd win 11 out of 12. No, In fact, he, that totally backfired. No. Yeah, yeah, they called his bluff, and it's kind of great, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's funny because you know when he's saying that, he's basically thinking they're not going to win. So now I already covered my bases here. Well, now they're winning, and he's put himself between a rock and a hard place because I don't think that ownership wants him to add. I don't think he thinks it's the best direction for the franchise. So, uh, yeah, he's been put in a tough spot, especially if they take two or three from the Indians, and then you're looking at the Mets, and then after that you're right up against the deadline. Uh, it's a rough spot. What the heck happened to Milwaukee? They were in control of the division, then it blew up. Are they going to regroup, or do you think they'll continue to slide? I don't think they'll continue to play this poorly, but they were playing over their heads. I mean, I don't think anybody ever thought for the most of the season that they were this much better than the Cubs. They were up four and a half games at one point. Um, they were getting, you know, some of these guys playing out of their minds. I, I don't think Hader was ever going to keep up what he was doing early season. Jesus Aguiar, really fun to watch, but, I mean, come on. 25 home runs right now, 293 <laughs> average. I didn't think that was going to keep up. I love Kane and Yelich. They're, they're going to continue to be good. But they were just kind of overperforming in a lot of areas. Their record in one-run games was always too much. A lot of that was Hater pitching like he was Walter Johnson, but coming in relief every few days. Uh, there were just, and if you look at that rotation, especially with Jimmy Nelson hurting himself late late last season, Zach Davies being on the DL, they were just getting too much from guys like Junior Guerra, who's hurt now, and Julie Chassin. Now Suter's out for the season, in all likelihood with a torn UCL. It's just like all that early season success was coming back to them. They did beat up on a lot of bad teams early, and now if you look at their schedule for the next few weeks, it's absolutely brutal. 
Uh, Nationals right now night might not be tough, but they have talent. Then they go on a road trip to San Francisco and LA for eight games. They've got to deal with the Braves on the road. They've got to deal with the Cubs some more. It's going to be a rough few weeks for the Brewers. I think it's going to continue. What about the Cubs? Are they just going to stroll on in and win the division? Uh, I know there's uh, 60 games or whatever left, but it sure seems like they're really in control. Yeah, they've hit their stride, especially offensively. Pitching needs to get better. Uh, really, in the first half, John Lester's the only one who threw like he could. It does look like Quintana's gotten things figured out, and he's going to be good the rest of the way. I still think Hendricks gets it figured out. Montgomery's been good. Chatwood's been brutal, but he's coming off two not terrible starts. Uh, they, they could use Darvish back in pitching like you, Darvish, can. Uh, they might add to the rotation. But other than that, they have a lights-out bullpen, especially when Morrow's healthy. And the offense is as good as it gets in the National League. Defense is as good as it gets in the National League. So I, I don't think they're going to have much trouble. Matt, you'll appreciate this. Besides doing this show, I listen to others of its ilk in Pittsburgh. And you can tell that some fans, anyway, really think the Pirates are in the wild card race because I hear bitching about the wild card only being one game already. Yep. And, oh, and I, I hear them debating who should start for the Pirates in that wild card yeah. game. You got to love that, right? I have. I mean, I have. The Pirates and their fans have had a, been a soft spot for me for a long time because I hated that they went through that long of a drought. And then when they did break it, it was awesome they went to NLDS, but I wanted a deeper run. And then you're like, okay, wild card, and then you have to deal with playoff home garner. And then you win 98 games and don't win your division, and then you have to deal with a guy who's having one of the best, if not the best, stretches of pitching in modern history in Jake Arrieta. It was like, it just, man. Right, it, it was like the one guy, it's the one yeah. guy who was better than Bumgarner the year before. Yeah, exactly. So things just lined up terrible luck. After breaking that drought and having all those pieces in place, it was just terrible luck the way things lined up because if they would have only had the one wild card, they wouldn't have had to deal with Bumgarner yet. So, man, it's tough. Matt, uh, you've been great. I appreciate you taking the time. We'll do it again later in the season, I hope. All right, sure thing. Have a good one. That is Matt Snyder, covers MLB for CBSSports.com. Check out his article. He does power ratings, and the Pirates have risen through the ranks considerably for now. I'll talk to Bob McLaughlin next, 105.9. For McDonald's. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. None of what you're saying is reasonable. It's laughable. Ah. You're already dumb. Let's see if you can go to dumber. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. I heard a commercial on the B team. It said, don't get your sports from a music station. You know what says a lot about the lack of caliber of the B team is that so many of you feel compelled to get your sports from a music station and not just the X, but DVE as well. Joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought you by uh, 84 lumber, Bob. Uh, let's get back to the foul ball controversy at Wrigley field, which has since been uh, blown up because the guy who stole the ball from the kid actually gave him a ball earlier and gave that ball to another kid. So let's not talk about the incident itself. Let's talk about the overreaction, which was widespread and just vicious. Incredible. Incredible and totally out of context. That's you know, that's the danger of social media. You look at a headline, you look at one picture, you look at an instant, and you all of a sudden have judgment. You're all over the guy. And this isn't just him. This has happened in how many times. And, you know, you have this platform now, 
to go after them with both barrels. And well, there nobody people, misses that There were people chance. on Twitter suggesting, let's get this guy fired. Let's find out where he works and get him fired. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. There were people who put the guy's name out there. They were going to try and find out where he worked. They wanted him fired. Whoa, whoa, hold on. Just like you talked about not reading the Scott Mervis review and just looking at the headline. I reserve the right to do that, Bob. Oh, I know that. But look at the whole story, though. I mean, when you find out what the guy well, actually did. Well, I did. give credit. A couple members of the Chicago media did some investigating, and a couple people who sat near the guy said on Twitter, look, this isn't like you think it was based on a short clip of video. He gave that kid a ball. He gave another kid that ball. And was just a great guy to these kids in general. And then, and it you, doesn't speak well for the family of the kid that they didn't speak up on the guy's behalf. And to my knowledge, haven't yet. Well, again, let's not rush to judgment on that. I don't know if they had the channels too. I don't know if they're on social media or anything. Or maybe well, you I just you think missed. they don't know what Twitter is. Well, no, maybe I just missed what they said. But you're right. A lot of the media out there said, "Hold on a second. Here's the full story. Here's pictures of it. The this, Cubs didn't. The Cubs tried to exploit it at first. Cubs did not. Yeah, the Cubs went and gave the kid a ball. And uh, But what do you expect? The Cubs didn't help Bartman, at least not right away. No, no, they didn't help him at all. And how many years did it take until they wrapped all that up? That was just two years ago, right, that they put a bow on that. But the thing is, like, the guy... Look, I can see instant reaction. You don't want the adult grabbing a ball off of a kid. We've all seen that. Well, he didn't jerk. grab it off him. He reached under a seat after the kid botched a soft toss from two feet. Right. But you knew that the ball was intended for the kid. And without all the other information about knowing that he had a ball already, that that's Oh, no, same no, no. I, I, I understand people thinking what they thought, but they just overreacted to it, even if that would have been the case, if what they saw would have been the sub and substance of the story. Bob, don't you agree that if that kid is in the front row of Ridley with his family, that he probably doesn't get disappointed very often? Oh, yeah, I'm thinking that. Those are like, yeah. A, expensive, <laughs> right. B, incredibly difficult to get. Like I have said repeatedly, I bet he left the game in a limo. Well, the thing is, when he turned around, like when he was looking, I think that's why he missed the ball. He had the ball in his mid already, the first one that the guy had given him. That's why he missed the throw. The and then the Cubs him. gave him another one. And the Cubs gave him another one. Which I don't think he shared with any kid in that area that didn't have a ball, whether the row behind or outside the stadium or whatever. Right, and as pointed out by the other people there who saw all this, they said, look, the guy that you're flaming right now, he gave two other balls away during that game. So he's not what you think he is. Ease up a little. Lighten up, Francis. Now, uh, don't you agree that, that kids in this day and age could do with a little disappointment learning how to handle that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And I find, you know, as a parent, Mark, I find myself literally having that argument with myself as to when do I step in and help, you know, my son or my daughter out in this situation? Or would it be better for them to handle this situation? Um, you know, themselves. And I want to see how they handle it. I want to see how it works out for them. Um, it, it's look, I know everybody wants to pave the road for their kid instead of having their kid just walk the road as it is. Well, well I and think Bob, that we're, we're reaping the fruit, the rotten fruit of the notion of, of making kids entitled whiny little brats. Now there's a bunch of whiny entitled adults. No, they, I they really are. I mean, I know that's, 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 uh, you know, painting with a broad brush. But I've dealt with so many adults who might as well be kids because they never learned about disappointment. No, you're right. I understand that. I'm just saying on this side of it, being a parent, sometimes you don't see it as such a black and white decision. Sometimes you think you are doing I never brought thing. race into it, Bob. No. 
crystal clear than I should have said. Yeah. Well, now let, let's let's uh, we're talking to Bob McLaughlin. He's brought to you by eighty four. Now Lumber. someone's going to hear that little segment of that sentence. Oh, Bob, and- I didn't even mention you beating your kids with coat hangers. Uh, now, um, what about the Josh Hader thing? Uh, I'm writing a column about that for the Trib, the Milwaukee relief pitcher who said some very terrible things on Twitter when he was seventeen. Some zero dug back seven years and exposed that ruined Hader and his family, their all-star game experience. And uh, when he came back and took the mound at Milwaukee, Miller Park gave him a standing ovation. What's your reaction to that? The reaction is the same as you had to open up the 4 o'clock hour. This is a guy who said or tweeted some terrible things. His apology, I think, was sufficient. It was sufficient enough that his teammates accepted it right away and came to his defense and came to his aid. They stood up for him. They said, this isn't the guy that we share a clubhouse with. This isn't the guy that we know at all. This was the stupid 17-year-old kid who put some horrific stuff out there. Um, And I agree with you. This was the fans welcoming him back, saying, we accept your apology also. We're with you. We're with you. Make the most of your second chance and don't disappoint us. Exactly. Exactly. You've done enough for this. You've done stuff for this community. You've been an okay guy for us in our city with our team. We're going to stand behind you and show that we got your back. It was nothing more than that. And if you're, again, with the social media, you've got this wing out there that is trying to make it something totally separate than it really is. And Well, well it's revenge culture. Uh, everybody wants to get somebody. I can't imagine what kind of loser dug back through seven years of tweets to expose what Hader did as a teenager. And waited for that instant to do it during the All-Star game. I think that guy is twice the villain Hader is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just think if if he ha- if he goes and does that, if he plans all that out, he's that meticulous about it that he's going to release it the moment the guy takes the mound during the All Star game. Just think of what else he has planned or what else he's thinking about doing. There's there's no when people sit down and type or say or go after people in this way, they don't care about the repercussions, the ramifications. They just want to get over and get theirs. Well, it's like I said a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there was a Hollywood agent on Howard Stern who tells his clients, if it comes down to Twitter or drugs, use drugs. Yeah. Because drugs, there's a way back. You can get some sympathy. You can rehabilitate. But once you tweet something that, that America doesn't like, you're done. And there is no way back. In that vein, Bob, obviously Josh Hader has survived uh, the worst of this. He didn't get suspended. He's doing some uh, some counseling and mm-hmm. and uh, and some different therapy, which I think is good. But there's some other people kind of in the same shoes who committed acts uh, more egregious. What do you think that Roseanne's chances are of a TV comeback? She did exactly what Hader did, although it was less dated. I mean, it was outed immediately, seen immediately. Yeah, I was going to say, and she wasn't a kid. She wasn't 17 years old True. at the time. She was a paid professional. No, there who... were some big differences, to be sure. But, but you know, it's a tweet. Oh, yeah. It, it's a tweet. And, and you don't know, Mark. I mean, maybe four eight, ten years down the line. I mean, from what I understand, there are already ideas for her to have her next show, and maybe it might be on some smaller network or it might just be online or something like that. Maybe Netflix. Yeah, there's definitely somebody out there who will give her a chance, but the thing is, she wasn't, she was apologetic a little bit immediately after when she saw the firestorm that was happening. Two days later, though, she was attacking other people. You know, not... To the point, not to how she attacked them in the first place and not using the same phrases or the same words, but she was still like that Hollywood type 
who knows all, can do no wrong, and is everything is just expected to be given to her. So I think that's By a little same bit token, of the difference. Uh, Josh Hader is like a pretty good relief pitcher. Roseanne had the number one show in America. Right. Well, well look. Like I said, there's still people out there who have Roseanne's back, no matter what she says, as bad as it could be. You know, and I hope that those aren't the people setting up the next shows. Now, now what about uh, Kevin Spacey and uh, Louis C.K., who committed acts more egregious than just a tweet? Uh, do they have a chance of a comeback? I think Louis C.K. does. Louis C.K. did an apology. He tweeted, he texted, he called the people he directly, you know, offended. Uh, he was pretty, I thought he was pretty sincere. You know, I don't know. I know that some of his victims thought he was also some didn't, um, Kevin Spacey. I just saw kind of your standard. Oh, I was drunk at the time. Sorry about that. And then there were more denials as more and more people came out there. There were more and more denials and all of a sudden he was gone. I never saw the sufficient apology or the I'm going to make reparations by doing this or going to the counseling or the classes that, you know, a hater is going to go through. So I think that those are a little bit different. By the same token, as with hater, the accusations against Kevin Spacey were very dated. Very dated. Well, I thought that there were some recent ones, even through the last House of Cards show. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But the original one was very dated. You, you know, in the distance and the, the difference between I've seen this online, too. Why is Hader getting a pass on this when Rocker never did? Well, because Rocker, John Rocker, remember the stuff he said when he was with the Braves? He did that time and time again. And he, might still be. And, my, and he just got more crass and more you know, offensive. So I, I don't think you can put those two in the same ballpark. You know who John Rocker is a longtime crony of? I'll tell you off the air. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Kurt Schilling, another one. That, Schilling just keeps going at it and at right. it with everybody. Well, Kurt Schilling thinks he's right. Yeah. Oh, he knows he's right. He's not. That's Bob McLaughlin brought to you by 84 Lumber. In just 30 seconds, we'll talk about the Open Championship. Hey, damn it. I mean the British Open, 105.9.